For Your Information is brought to you by Sawyer Family Farms. Farm to table, table to grave. Welcome, foolish mortals, to For Your Information. Listen, if you dare. is an account of a tragedy which occurred to three podcasters. In particular, Zach Graham, John, and their invalid, well, we don't really know what he is, Frank Synopsis. It is all the more tragic because they were young. Well, kind of. Frank Synopsis is old as shit. Whatever. Welcome to For Your Infilmation, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, John. And Zach. And uh, today we are covering the great Bambino of horror himself, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. Um, personally, this movie 100% lives up to the hype, like, oh. for me. Like, it's it's so good. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the- Leatherface is just, like, the perfect villain. Like, he has a backstory, it's not super complicated, he's, um... You know, he's just a fucking goon. I mean, like, he's kind of funny at a, at a certain it, point. Like, yeah. if it weren't for all the murder, it, he would just be uh, Simple Jack from uh, Tropic Thunder. I see that. I definitely see that. I also see how he is super versatile when it comes to this. I mean, you think about, like, uh, again, I haven't seen Hellraiser, but I imagine Pinhead's a pretty, like, no-nonsense kind of guy. Or, like, um, Michael Myers is generally a pretty no-nonsense kind of guy. Leatherface can do it all. I, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 after watching this movie, and I was like, you know what? It kind of works. Like, it's crazy and weird weird and kind of stupid but like it works it's still a whole thing right and like that's the best thing about this movie is like i feel like it has such lasting power whereas like nightmare on elm street it feels very in its era like it feels very 80s um friday the 13th definitely has its own different feel to it but like i just feel like this one this one just takes the cake i feel like they haven't quite overdone this one as much as they've done the other ones um, th- this one's probably my favorite out of the slashers, just because I feel like it's so, I don't know, man, like, it's, it just feels timeless. It does. It feels real. Like, there are some places where you drive through trying to get, you know, from one highway to the other, and it's just like a little place that, uh, just never seemed to leave a certain point in time, you know, and you could find something this weird and this crazy in a place like that. It, it's almost like unsuspecting. It's... It's something that you could come across still today, even almost 50 years after the fact. And it still scares people. It, it, is, it is still a scary thing. Right. And like like we've said in past episodes, um, you know, the, the character of Leatherface, like just like his general demeanor, like you still see it in every haunted house possible. Like there's always a guy with a chainsaw and like th- that's where this started. Like, absolutely. I mean, it's not quite like a Dracula or like a Frankenstein, you know, like you have to go to the monster, but the monster is a whole nother beast here. Right. And like, I think that's the thing that's the scariest about Leatherface is that you, he doesn't, you don't go to him. He doesn't come to you. You happen upon each other. Like he's a very like opportunistic killer. So, like, he doesn't go out searching for people to kill. He waits for them to come to him. But he doesn't, like, how does it work again? Like, does does he want to kill them? Or is it just kind of, like, happenstance? 
Okay, so Leatherface does like to kill people. That is a part of his thing. Um, he also likes the preparation process, and he likes eating people. They all like eating people. But it depends on what movie you want to get into. If we're just talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then um, he doesn't really travel at all. Uh, he does in Texas Chainsaw 2, because he's out there killing people on the highway, like, from a car and stuff like that. Uh, not something we saw at all in this movie, so... Uh, he is kind of stationary, and he is highly dependent on his family members, uh, which gives you kind of like a weird familial vibe, and it's definitely something they borrowed a lot from when we talk about movies like uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Like, there's a lot that they borrowed from the Texas Chainsaw series, but like, that in particular, and that there is a family of weirdos, that makes them far more dangerous and far more scary, because they are still a family, and they still have like familial values, although they're like super messed up. Right, and they, they stick together, and they're all, each one is worse than the last one. It's exactly. Al it's almost like the end of, like, a JRPG, where it's like, you have the boss, but then you have the boss's boss, and then you have that boss's boss, and you gotta get through all of them if you want to survive. Exactly. It's, uh... It is an experience. Not the same experience that we get with, like, again, the Halloweens or the Friday the 13th or even the Nightmare on Elm Street where it's the franchise that's the experience. If you only had Texas Chainsaw 1, that would be plenty. It would be plenty. But they still gave us the masterpiece that is Texas Chainsaw 2. Yep. And, um... and uh, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll get there. Um, I, I definitely want to cover that one at some point, though. Definitely. Uh, so, that being said, uh, we've both seen this movie before this recording. I... I, that doesn't really fit our format, so why did we want to cover this one? Like, why why did we bring this one to the table? Um, I wanted to talk about this one because, like, when you think about slashers, like I said, if there's a slasher Mount Rushmore, let's say, I mean, Leatherface has got to be on there. Like, so you'd have Michael Myers, you'd have, um, fucking Jason Voorhees, you'd have Freddy Krueger, and then you have to have, you know, you have to have Leatherface. Like, he, he's he's the face of the... He's one of the faces, or I guess technically many faces... Right, yeah. ...of, of that genre. Like, you know, I mean... Like, and like I said when we started this, like, people think Chucky, Scream, all that. But, like, these are, like, the original four. Like, if you only had these four, I think you'd have a pretty good subgenre. I think so, too. And uh, perhaps we do. So... Uh, the appeal of Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes from a lot of different places, but it all comes straight out of the mind of Toby Hooper. Uh, so, kind of a mammoth legend type of guy, a little bit like a George Romero. You know, he knows his element, and he pretty much sticks to it. Um, super recognizable. Uh, he's got, like, the poltergeist, he's got spontaneous combustion, he did the Salem's Lot series, um, the Dancing With Myself music video, another great piece of horror. <laughs> God damn, Billy Idol. What, yeah, what, right? What, what, where did he go? We need right. Billy Idol. What hath he wrought? What hath he wrought? I, these are another one. You could have a Toby Hooper Mount Rushmore, where you could have Billy Idol, and you could have the guy from Spontaneous Combustion just on fire, Leatherface, and um, I don't know what you would use, the little girl from Poltergeist? I guess. I mean, like, she's kind of like the focal point of the series, especially as it goes on. I've actually seen a bunch of the Poltergeist movies. I don't remember exactly why. I think they might have been, like, um, on Encore or something at one point, like, on the on-demand thing. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would I just watched all of them for no reason. <laughs> for some reason, Poltergeist and um, Showgirls always end up, like, in the same vein in my head, even though Showgirls is in no way a horror film. Well, you know, it, like, it's it's not meant to be. It's not supposed to be freaky. Showgirls... <laughs> 
Showgirls is um just supposed to bend the nature of what people can actually tolerate in a film. Oh god, I I don't I I can't even think about Showgirls. I I can't. Let, let we'll cover it at some point, maybe soon. But I just well, you I know, can't. Uh, Speaking of finding out what you can uh, take and not take during a movie, um, how about we get to that cocktail? Dude, please, dear God. All right, let's get let's get right into it. So, John, you've been telling us all about pumpkin alcohol the last couple of weeks. So, I think it's high time that you give me your own version of a pumpkin cocktail. All right, sweet. So, uh, what I did with this one is uh, what I've been talking about doing the whole time. I tried to achieve the pumpkin-like flavor or the pumpkin... Uh, I did with this cocktail what I said I was going to do from the beginning, where I didn't really incorporate any actual pumpkins, but tried to give the pumpkin dessert experience in a drink. Because you look at pumpkin ale, sometimes it does or doesn't have any real pumpkin in it. You look at pumpkin wine, again, may or may not have any real pumpkin in it. You look at pumpkin liqueur or pumpkin spirits or whatever, uh, similar experience. Might not actually be made with pumpkins. There's so much pumpkin stuff that's not. Even pumpkin pie, I'm finding out. The filler for the pumpkin pie, it's, it's pretty much just there for texture and body. You don't actually taste the pumpkin all that much. So with the cocktail, right. I kind of stuck with that theme. You don't necessarily need pumpkin to get the pumpkin experience, and that's what we did. So this one's called the Gourd Lord. Ooh, Gourd yeah. Lord. Emphasis on gore. Gourd Lord. I, yeah, yeah. Why are you speaking in cursive? I, I, that's what speaking in cursive sounds like? Yeah, like speaking in cursive is like uh, Lana Del Rey, like guard uh, lord <laughs> like a like a sad core thing it's the new face of white girl i see i see so uh i knew this was like a 2011 2012 thing that was almost like 10 years ago don't why are you doing this to me right now stop it tell me about your fucking alcohol so i can forget about how old i am for a second okay 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 so like i said it's called the gourd lord here's how you're gonna make it uh you're gonna combine these ingredients in a shaker with ice shake it up and strain it into a small glass it could be a shot glass if you want to take it as a shot it could be a cordial glass if you want to sip on it you could put it straight into a cup of coffee and it would taste really freaking good so uh this is how you would make it you're gonna take an ounce of gold rum half an ounce of irish cream liqueur half an ounce of creme de cacao a quarter ounce of butterscotch liqueur two dashes of orange bitters and a healthy dash of pumpkin spice so that's like the mixed uh spice mixture it, i i know that's redundant but it, you get what i mean you go to the store and you buy the little thing and the little canisters like pumpkin spice it's got like cloves and allspice and cinnamon and like nutmeg and a couple other things that give you the pumpkin pie spice flavor uh you just want one healthy dab of that in there the trick is to not use too much though because anytime you use like a granular ingredient like that you really don't want it to overpower the rest of the cocktail i know what you're thinking like oh well it's a pumpkin pie cocktail and that's the only thing that's going to make it taste like pumpkin like yeah that's kind of true but at the same time you don't want to be drinking the grit of the spice right it's kind of like when you uh when you're trying to make chocolate milk out of, like, that powder chocolate, if yeah. you don't stir that shit up enough, you're going to get, like, little chunks of chocolate powder. You don't want that. And you definitely don't want little chunks of pumpkin po of pumpkin spice Well, powder. you know what you can do is you can get a blender bottle. And the same thing that people do with, like, protein powder to mix it up, you can make your chocolate milk in that. And then people think that you're a well-adjusted adult. But in actuality, you're a man-child. 
<laughs> just walking down the street like, oh man, that guy's got his pumpkin spice latte. I want to get one of those too. And like, really, you're just like fucking polluted. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's great. Start pissing all over trash cans and shit in the, in, in the middle of New York City. If you drink enough of, you're talking about Frank Synopsis. <laughs> And I, I just, we need to talk about him if we're going to talk about him. We can't just namelessly talk about men pissing all over New York City. Right, okay. So, uh, alright. I, I I promised myself I was going to be nice to him this week. Let's just try. Alright. Uh, hey, Frank, how are you, buddy? I'm doing just fine, man. I, you know what? I'm so glad that you brought this movie because I love the true story behind it. Oh, so uh, what 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 do you believe is the true story behind this, Frank? Well, you see, it's a funny play on words. They have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was actually the incident that uh, you know brought about the idea for Toby Hooper. The the tax. <laughs> so you're saying for the tax credits, that's why he did this movie. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you see, as the legend goes, there were some tax men that went looking for a very specific individual in and around Central Park. Ah, okay. Do you and, continue. Uh, when he couldn't pay up, uh, he got the chainsaw. Um, alright, Frank. I, I can't allow you to perjure yourself here. Um, but so, uh... This man, what did, what did he do after he brought the chainsaw out? Well, you've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Let me just say, there was not a lot of bras being worn. Alright, Frank. Um, so, <laughs> why don't you tell me about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, um, not bring any new evidence to light so that you don't have to go to jail. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Five young people set out on a road trip to see if a family grave was disturbed in a recent grave robbing spree. Along the way, they meet some strange characters and visit some old family land. It's all fun and games, until Leatherface shows up. One especially unlucky youth takes a peek into hell and spends the night in a Texas-sized house of horrors. Awesome. Thank you, Frank. What does a Central Park house of horrors look like? Central Park. All righty. Thanks, Frank. Yep, uh, yep, no problem. <laughs> John, are you back with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you leave this W-2 on the coffee table outside? Uh, no, and, um, I wouldn't touch that. That's probably gonna be, uh, coming up in several court cases. Oh, again? Uh, again. We, we might lose Frank again. Oh, uh, okay. Alrighty. So, um, let's get right into it, guys. Um, this is gonna be our big one this is uh this is the one that me and john have been looking forward to talking about so i want you guys to just be prepared it's gonna get a little nerdy in here let's just start off with the basic bitch info this is like info if you pulled up wikipedia you'd find it right there it's right there in front of your face but you know what reading is just hard adult life is hard enough as is so i'm gonna read it for you Alright, so, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre was written, directed, and produced by Toby Hooper. Which, so he's the mastermind behind this whole goddamn shtick. Alright, so does that make him an auteur? I, I guess that would make him the auteur of this. Because he also founded the production company and did some of the music, I think. Oh, absolutely then. Um, so, he, <laughs> so he's, uh, he, he's the auteur of this. Um, I, I feel like they just don't give that title to too many people, and I think it's sad. Yeah, I think maybe we're just overlooking people who are actual auteurs, you know, like Lloyd Kaufman. Like Lloyd Kaufman. When is he gonna be on our show? We sing his praises. We, like, do we have to do some sort of dance? You know, I think so. I think you have to summon him, the same way that you might summon, like, a leprechaun. How do you summon a leprechaun? Is that a thing you do? Um, I don't... 
I have not seen the film Leprechaun. Um, I guess that also goes into the slasher genre, or maybe that's more of a monster movie. I'm not sure. Huh, but it's I probably think it just has a something... racist against Irish people movie. I mean, that's every movie pre 1990. Um, mm, everything pre 1990. Exactly. Irish need not apply. We will take yes. a dog before we take an Irishman. Uh, you know, uh, things that are just like the steps are a little too high. You know, they can't make it up there. Uh, <laughs> there aren't enough, you know, potatoes growing out of the gardens. There's not enough marshmallows in the grain cereal. You know, it's not. Uh, it, yeah. it was not a world built for that. Classic Irish problems. Lucky the leprechaun brought the Irish people uh, like enough fame so that now they are not hated by the world. I yes, think that's exactly. how that he's, works. He's a bit of a Robert Johnson. <laughs> I don't know how you're equating those two things, but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> did, did Lucky the leprechaun sell his soul at the crossroads to get the Lucky Charms deal? Yeah, yeah, of course. That's what he's always chasing, though. That was the deal. Like, he got the deal for the Lucky Charms, so he, he got that. But what he didn't realize was that the deal with the devil meant he couldn't have his cake and eat it too that's why he's always chasing lucky charms and never gets them ah beautiful well lucky luckily we've had lucky around for a couple of decades now and he did not meet a timely and uh young demise like uh old robert johnson robert johnson check him out uh one of the first uh, recorded bluesmen in america yeah and uh to again reference um you know the rob zombie films that were heavily inspired by this uh blind willie johnson yes jesus christ like the connections are just crazy here but we must soldier on yes all right so the film was also co-written by kim henkel uh, and the movie stars Marilyn Burns, Gunnar Hansen, Jim Soudan, Edwin Neal, uh, and John Dugan. Uh, Gunnar Hansen, of course, being the titular Leatherface. Um, the music is by Wayne Bell and Toby Hooper. Yeah, of course, always Toby Hooper. <laughs> always Toby Hooper. He's got to be all over this. Uh, produced by Vortex, which is the, the production company that we mentioned that uh, Toby Hooper set up to get this movie off the ground. Uh, the movie was distributed by... Brinston Distributing Company, uh, which also put out uh, Return of the Dragon, Flesh for Frankenstein, a.k.a. Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. Yeah, that's a funny one. Um, X-rated 3D horror fetish comedy, I think. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Uh, when we, uh, me and my fiancé went to uh, Pittsburgh to go to the Andy Warhol Museum. Mm. And uh, they actually have uh, pieces of that film that you can watch. It's very interesting. I see. Is it the part where they put, like, the head of the person with the bigger libido on top of the monster? Uh, I don't remember what part I saw. I just remember I saw some titties. Oh, I see. Yeah, exactly. Another movie with a bunch of Italian people in it. The Italians. Another group of people that have, uh, you know, been less persecuted since 1990. <laughs> Oh, you know, Italian-made in America. Yeah, All exactly. Right. You know, they had a similar experience works. as they did with the like the Lucky Charms cereal, except that raviolios didn't really make it. I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, I ate a lot of SpaghettiOs in my childhood, so I think they won somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go into an Italian pub and you ask for a pint, they hand you a bucket of ragu. <laughs> Ragu is the worst. Uh, Classico or Del Grasso, all the way. Ah, Del Grasso. Del Grasso is the best fucking pasta sauce ever, dude. Like, I'm not even lying to you. I see, I see. Uh, Stouffer's lasagna. Alright, anyway. So, uh, the film was released on October 1st, 1974, which is, uh, 
just in time for Halloween. Mm. Um, and also pre-Halloween by John Carpenter. So this actually predates Halloween. But yes. it did not get the slasher genre started off like Halloween did. True. It also predates Cannibal Holocaust. Which is amazing that like this movie garnered so much controversy, yet Cannibal Holocaust was only six years away. Right. Uh, I think there may have been one other Cannibal movie that came out that year. Um, I don't even remember which one it was. It might have been Man from Deep River. Maybe, but you want to know something? I'm not watching any more Cannibal movies. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I am done. I am spent on that. I, I, I spent about a week just um not feeling anything. And I I don't, I don't think those movies are good for me. I don't think they sit right with my brain. Right, right, right. Alright, so the budget of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was estimated around 300k after like some editing costs and uh distribution and advertisements um which would actually come out to about a million and a half dollars today which is nuts because like that also means this is one of the more expensive independent films from that era that's true uh you know in an era where it it costs like five cents for a bottle of coke you know three hundred thousand dollars is a ton of money oh yeah dude i mean but that being said, it did make back $30.8 million across multiple releases. I see. Uh, the Juno effect. The Juno effect. Or maybe we should start calling the Juno effect the Texas Chainsaw Massacre effect. I don't think it has the same vibe, though. The Texas Chainsaw Juno effect? Uh, it's a sequel to Juno where she gets an abortion and it gets weird. Oh, weird as in there's a chainsaw? There is a chainsaw involved. Uh, she says, fuck my guts with a chainsaw, and uh, Leatherface does it. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't like that. So I she don't technically like that gets an abortion, but she also gets terminated. Ah, I, 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 now I like your terminology of terminated. <laughs> I mean, is that not what death is? It's just determination. You're getting fired from life. That's uh, a fascinating way of looking at it. You're getting retired. I see. I see. Retired early for uh, alleged racist conduct. Exactly. The god's just like, you're too racist now. The times have changed. And then he kills you. <laughs> I, 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 it terrifies me the day that I'm going to be the out of touch old guy. Mm-hmm. That terrifies me. Yeah, people are going to listen back to this podcast and be like, you were racist against the Lucky Charm cereal guy. And I'll be like, and I do it again. And I do it again. I, I don't recognize him as a person. Back in my day, cartoons weren't real. <laughs> uh, they're going to be. They're going to be. They're going to 3D print cartoons. And so the lu- the Lucky Charms guy is going to like just come into your house sometimes. And they'll be like, hey, give me my Lucky Charms. And I'm going to be like, I don't even have any. Where are they at? I um I guess I can go to the store and get some for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm pretty you could... sure this is the plot of Leprechaun, and it also makes me think that if these things are going to come to life, that, like, the weird e-girl anime cat thing is also going to be automated. Like, we're going to have actual anime titties in the world, and Belle Delphine's going to be homeless. <laughs> Good. Right? <laughs> Why do I have to work in a warehouse, and she sells her pee? And gets, you know like, what? You can like a... sell your pee. The question is the marketability. Like, you're allowed to sell it, I think. I get. I don't know what the legality on that is like, because if you can sell your own panties, I guess you can sell your own pee. I mean, it's just a liquid, right? Yeah. Like, okay. So I guess one is like a bodily waste, and one is like used clothing. So I guess there might be a difference there, even if it is covered in juice. 
But um, la- uh, you know what? Infilmation podcast fans, get on it. Uh, do some research. Do the legwork for us. Find out how much we can sell our urine for. And we'll maybe make it happen for you. I'll give you like a two liter bottle. I'll give you a Mountain Dew bottle full of my own piss to prank your friends with. <laughs> It'll come in the actual Mountain Dew bottle. Like, so you put it in your fridge. Just be careful that you remember. We'll put like a little inflammation like logo at the bottom. Like no one else would notice, but you'll know. Oh yeah. Um, I've also got a bottle capping device. So like I can just pee into a beer bottle of your choosing and put a bottle cap on it. Oh, God, this is dangerous. This is dangerous. I, I don't know what the implications are, like, why you would do this. And also, like, what is the expiration date on piss? Good question. If it's a sterilized bottle, it would probably be a really long time. I I guess so. I, I have no idea. I th- This has gone so off the rails. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and whip us back into shape. Um, <laughs> Just whoopsh. All right, let's go. Alright, so let's talk about how this monster came to life. Uh, not the, um, piss bottle, piss bottling company that we're starting, but Leatherface. Ah. So Toby Hooper had the idea for the film early on in his career while working at the University of Texas in Austin. Uh, He wanted to make a story based roughly on the crimes of the infamous cannibal serial killer Ed Gein, uh, who is also the, once again, and this is just gonna, if you have not seen Psycho, it's gonna come up again. He was also the uh, the inspiration for Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he wanted to put an emphasis on the isolation and over-the-top violence featured in the news coverage of the time. So, like, like we talked about at the beginning of this series, like, this was a time when, like, serial killers were, like, running rampant. Like, I guess there was just something in the air, right? Yeah, it was lead. It was lead. Um, yeah. so... <laughs> And funny enough, like, no one used a gun to kill anyone in these movies, or, like, the serial killers didn't really use guns. So, you know, like, there's lead in the air, like, you know, like, you could probably use, like, only, like, a 20% lead bullet, and it would kill somebody. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, you know, the only one that I'm aware of was Son of Sam, and, uh, he was active roughly in this time period as well. Uh, he would just, like, shoot people in New York. But yeah, you're right, pretty much everybody else is using something else. I think it's maybe, like, 2 to 4% of serial killers actually use firearms in any of their kills well because it's too easy for them like that's like that's not the reason they're doing it like you could kill just anybody with a gun but like you actually have to like kind of corner somebody to stab them to death yeah which is wild because then you get people like your timothy mcveigh types who are gonna do like a like a mass bombing like that is even more prolific a killing method than like a firearm for a serial killer because it's loud, it's unexpected, and it's um, it will cause the most damage. Like, you could cause property, people, and, like, livelihood damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what better activity to listen to Bad Company by Bad Company on the album Bad Company to? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Speaking of, what do you think Leatherface listens to? Like, I think... I just imagine him sitting in his room and he has like a weird like, you know, uh gramophony like record player and like you could just walk down the hall and just hear dancing queen coming out of his room. Um I think that Leatherface probably listens to um <laughs> to a story to a storybook records from Disney Records. Oh, now that's a concept. So like the storybook records basically would like come in like a vinyl size package but it's like a picture book with a record on it so like you would put the record on and it would like read it and do the voices for you but you would follow along in the book i think that's what leatherface does and he like he does it so he can pretend like he knows how to read 
I see, I see. Uh, he's he's like a he's like sloth from the Goonies, but with a chainsaw and wearing someone else's face. I think that's offensive to sloth somehow. <laughs> somehow that's offensive to sloth. Somehow that's offensive to sloth. All right, so let's move on. Uh, Hooper set up Vortex with co-writer Kim Henkel for the purposes of producing this film. They sought younger, inexperienced actors from se- from Central Texas. Which combined convenience and authenticity. Not all actors were like this. Uh, Gunnar Hansen was actually involved with stage acting and found out about the role as Leatherface from a friend he knew in the production of Mice and Men. Uh, Hooper knew he wanted Hansen to play Leatherface when he entered the audition, taking up the width of the door. Yeah, and, um, yeah, big boy. <laughs> big boy. He t- <laughs> Hooper just went, he's a big boy. I, I'm going to put many faces on top of your face, and we're going to make 30.8 million dollars together. You know, it's funny because, like, uh, we'll talk more about this later, but, like, they filmed this in Texas, and it was very hot, and they filmed a lot, like, all day, every day while they were filming this, and he wore that mask, like, the entire time. Which is just insane. Yeah, yeah, like, it, it's, it, I could not imagine, like, 12 hours minimum a day wearing that same mask over and over and over and over and over again. It, probably just smelled as bad as an actual face mask made of face like which you can only imagine what that must smell like because i'm assuming he's not like cleaning the skin like you would like a leather no 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 even if it's fake just imagine the grunge the face mask is horrifying on the outside i can only imagine what it looks like on the inside yeah 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 i'm looking at you through the glass i wonder how much time has passed or this I'm wearing is... this guy's face is my ass. I don't know. So like, we can cut that. <laughs> no, it's it's staying. All okay. right. Um. So the one other interesting thing I found about this is that uh, the furniture was constructed out of actual animal bones and blood from a local slaughterhouse was applied to the walls. Oh, that's fun. Um. Uh, in addition to that. Uh, one of the production people actually went around looking for animal remains. So, like, all that garbage that's all over the floor is actual animal parts. Which is just insane. Like, why would you do this? <laughs> I I don't know. It's super hot all day, every day. They have, like, blackout curtains on the walls. And they have, like, just decaying animal leg in the corner. Like, uh, they definitely captured the experience on set, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the house looks horrifying. Like, it, I mean, it looks straight up out of a fucking like coma nightmare like i mean i can't imagine like i can't imagine what even just being on that set looked like because i mean like there's just blood everywhere yeah yeah and the characters too i mean we'll, we'll get on the characters here in a little while but like ah, it's just it's a whole package it's a whole thing it works it's a whole goddamn thing the movie takes a minute to get started but once it gets started oh boy yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about the production. So uh, much of this movie's appeal comes from the look of the picture itself. Uh, this is because 16 millimeter low speed film was used, uh, imparting a very specific look seen in films such as Clerks and The Evil Dead. So it looks grainy. It looks um, more. I, I guess it looks more photorealistic. Like it. Um. So that that way they can. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say here, John? Um, I think what you're trying to say is that it looks like a picture. It looks like a Polaroid almost. Like, you know how there's a certain type of lighting that you get when you have a flash Polaroid, and it's hard to duplicate digitally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this- and... 
it captures that. Exactly. Like, I mean, it just looks grainy. It just looks, like, grungy and dingy. And, like, it really just adds to the overall feeling of the film. And it also looks great when you when they upscale it. Oh, it absolutely does. Um, this camera required, specifically, the one they used, required a lot more light than your average, like, digital camera today does. So, like, the dark parts of the movie, like, where the lights are swinging around in the dinner scene and that kind of, like, it... That is hard to duplicate, and the same thing happened in the scene where they're in front of the um, in front of the truck out in front of the house. That's just the truck lights. There are no studio lights out there, and it looks weird. It doesn't look like a movie shot. It looks real, right? And that adds to like the realism of the film, and like where they're trying to like sell that uh, based on a true story, even though like, it's like total bullshit. Yeah, 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 of course. But in 1974, I don't know, maybe people were more trusting. Maybe you could get in a car with a stranger. You might end up with an Ed Gein type, but you will end up with someone. Yeah, like, why did they pick him up? Like, he was obviously, like, covered in, like, dirt and blood. Like, why did they Why did they pick that guy up? I've never understood that part of the story. I don't know, no. It, it was the 70s. I, I don't know. Uh, could you imagine, though, like, nowadays we can choose, like, standard depth or high depth ultra hd like we have all kinds of stuff that we can do but like imagine the only way you're watching this is like in on a 70s movie camera or like maybe a vhs i mean for some people that's the only way to watch movies like this like they only want to watch it on vhs because it adds a grainy quality to it yeah i get the appeal um what's the one that i uh, monty python and the holy grail that's a good one to watch on VHS. <laughs> I completely agree. Like, there's some movies that just don't deserve to be upscaled the way that they are. <laughs> Alright, so, some of the violence was very real on set, which, um, I don't know why we always end up covering movies that do this, but, uh, we do. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the scene where the cook beat Sally with a stick, uh, was totally real. And uh, Jim Saito had a very hard time going through with it, which I, I can't blame him. Like, I wouldn't actually want to hit someone with a fucking stick. Yeah, especially, like, you know, a lady. Like, he he's like a he's a grown man. And then this, like, she's maybe like 20, 21, and she just like the beater with a stick on camera. It's like in Toxic Avenger where they point the shotgun at the baby. Like, it... I get how that's not something you want to do, and this kind of happened again later on, like, again, in that scene in front of the house in the truck lights where he's beating Edwin Neal, plays the hitchhiker, with the stick again. He's actually hitting him there, too. He didn't have such a hard time with that one, though. It was easier for him to hit Edwin Neal, and I, I guess I get it. I don't know. I mean... I don't think that anybody would, like, get mad at him for hitting him with a stick, but he, they might get mad at him for hitting a lady with a stick. I mean, you know what, man? T uh, Cannibal Holocaust came out six years later. <sighs> Talk about abusing your actors. Yes. All right, so uh, Marilyn Burns' finger was actually cut during the dinner scene uh, where Grandpa Sawyer sucks it from her finger. Yeah, that's kind of gross. It's not even just kind of gross. It's, like, actual, like, what the fuck. Like, is, yeah, that, is that an I mean, actor playing Grandpa, or is that, like, a puppet? No, that's a guy. Th that is a guy. Oh, God, what's his name? Hang on, hang on, I gotta read it. What's his name? Um, John Dugan. John Dugan. Uh, wasn't there a Dugan Elementary School right across from our high school? There was a Dugan Elementary School. There still is a Dugan Elementary School. Uh, that was a Connie Dugan, not a John Dugan. Although, John Dugan Elementary School would probably be interesting. Like, all the teachers have to wear the, the heavy old man makeup. <laughs> it's like bad grandpa but like a real thing bad teacher grandpa Ugh. because hollywood is out of ideas yes old grandpa i mean uh bad grandpa and uncle grandpa 
Uncle Grandpa. I never got into that. Um, I I was I heard the word Uncle Grandpa and I went, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know what I think though. This was the OG Uncle Grandpa. Like there is definitely some inbreeding going on here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're like I I, I don't want to be super rude or anything, but like I mean, the way these people are, like it, there's got to be something wrong with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're willing to just eat people, so who knows what is and isn't on the table. They're willing to eat people and or like make furniture out of them, which is like kind of inspiring in a way like uh they they don't waste any of the product uh yes waste not want not use all parts of the buffalo (laughs) use all parts of the buffalo use all parts of the teenager um it's a it's a wild wild wacky world we live in people all right so uh there was a constant battle against time and the environment to retain continuity. Uh, the dinner scene alone took over 30 hours to shoot, and the food on the plates had begun to rot away by the end. Yeah, pretty fucking gross. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it added to, like, the atmosphere, like, the putrid smell of, like, meat rotting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, that's kind of, like, what we got for, like, the production, um... Like we said, like, there probably weren't, like, too many stories because no one was probably around, like, just, like, filming what was going on when they weren't shooting or, like, recording it because uh, they they filmed this in seven fucking days. Like, they were just done. Yeah, and you think about it, it's not a set, right? Like, this is on location. This is an actual farmhouse in the middle of Texas, and it's, like... There, there's no escape from it. There, there isn't really like a trailer to go back to. You know, it's, it's not really like that. Right. Th- this is like they're just all together all the time. And I'm sure as soon as someone got killed and they didn't need them for any more scenes, they just sent them home. You know what? That would be cool with me. Yeah, when I was doing theater, I'd love it when they were just like, yeah, we're done with you for the day. Go ahead and go home. Like, yes. And then find out that everyone else was there like five hours longer. It was like, I'm already high and you guys got to go still get high. Ah. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about the release of this film. Um, So the film was released nationally, like we said, on October 1st, 1974. um, And it was like a, I think it was like a one Saturday matinee. And it was marketed as a true story, which uh, kind of brought people in. Um, so it made back like about like I think uh, about thirty-two million of the dollars that it um, that it that it would eventually get. Like like we said, it made back like th- what thirty point eight million or something. Yep. Like. Yeah, yeah. So it pulled in a bunch from that time, but where a lot of the money came from was um eight years later um after 1986 it was issued to first run theaters every year um all the way up until like the mid 90s so um if you don't know what a first run theater is this is like your quote-unquote uh mainstream film film houses like uh like a regal or an amc Mm, i see so it actually took a while for it to get out there for real yeah it took it took a while like its initial release was, like, in some more mainstream film cinemas, but, like, we'll get into it. Like, the film was, like, kind of heavily, heavily censored and heavily controversial, even though, like, really nothing is shown on screen. Right, 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 except just the outright abuse of the, the human body. The outright abuse of the human body. Um, And speaking of abuse, let's talk about abuse of the system. So, uh, Toby Hooper wanted the film to get a PG rating because uh, he thought due to the minimal... Uh, uh, gore on screen he could probably go for a pg rating i see bit of a uh, jaws going on there a little bit of a jaws going on there and uh, the mpaa said absolutely go fuck yourself and rated it x that's fun Th- that's always a good time when you get the x rating and you expected a pg it's like well i don't know what i expected 
Uh, so I... they rated it X on the grounds of uh, the subject matter was too violent and disturbing. Like, let alone like the fact that there's no really on-screen gore. It's like very to a minimum. And he did that on purpose so that he could get the PG rating. And they said, you can't show this to children. <laughs> Um, so Hooper had to cut seven minutes from the film to get an R rating. And even that, like some cities, uh, would not allow the film to be shown. It became a video nasty. That is fun. Uh, it's good to get a video nasty every now and again. You know, uh, the UK clearly didn't have a fun time with this. This definitely ended up on their list. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think it was, uh, banned in France for a long time for whatever reason. That's fun. I think that's just because it took place in Texas. And they're still mad about that whole Paris, Texas thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paris, Texas. Oh, there is a Manhattan, California, by the way. It's Manhattan Beach. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's Isn't that where Dr. Manhattan got his name from? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he just got his name from getting blown up. Oh, okay. Oh, because of the Manhattan Project. Yep, you're right. Okay, that's my bad. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, the Manhattan Project, also an alternate name for a uh, a strip club down in Manhattan Beach, California. So you know what? He might have blown it up in there too. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some people blow up the bathroom in there with all the Manhattans they're serving in wings. God, can anyway. you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Just imagine. <laughs> shit and come shit and come that's that should be the name of this podcast nope that's oh. redacted <laughs> redacted all right so um uh, one of the years the film was being redistributed however um they did release the full uncut version of the film and it was still rated r so that's why you could see the uncut version today if you buy uh, the blu-ray or um most times when it's been on streaming services it's been the uncut version mm. Because uh, they technically released it with an R rating, so uh, they don't have to release it as unrated or uncut. It's like, nope, this is just the movie now. Ah, uh, yeah. So someone, yep. someone did them a big-ass solid. I'm glad. I'm glad there are some good guys out there. I'm glad that there are some good guys out there. Are just vigilantes. I'm glad that there's real-life vigilantes, whereas uh, in the comics we have Batman, but in the real world we just have people that are like fuck it yeah we just have like greg the movie nerd who works in the you know the picture room up top just sticking it to the mpaa i love yeah. i love it when they get get it stuck to i'm glad that I, you know what it, it's a, a real rob zombie moment a real rob zombie moment <laughs> i love it we need to have more of those all right so um speaking of a rob zombie moment um apparently in san francisco moviegoers left the theater in disgust and like throwing up and shit ah and uh two theaters in ottawa canada were asked to stop showing the film in fear of them catching morality charges which i guess that's a thing you can get in canada is a morality charge oh no i'm a commonwealth country oh no oh they got the mm, the morality laws oh no the video nasty <laughs> that's yep that's what i hear that that just sounds like a bunch of fucking bullshit it, it is wild though that like we get used to like freedom and like how we can like watch most things if we find like if we go through the trouble to find them it's it's cool but right. like there are legitimately places in the world where you cannot right and we've only been that way for a little bit because uh they have morality charges whereas we had obscenity charges which i think you could still catch an obscenity charge but like it just it depends on uh what you did what you said in what venue uh to what audience yeah i mean if you think about it though like um like what in the uk they put evil dead on the list as like an obscene thing like you could actually catch charges for having a copy of it 
Here it's like, hey, you want to watch a movie of me banging a horse? No. No, I don't want to do that. Okay, morality charge. Yeah, exactly. Like, there are... That's not even a morality charge. That's a bestiality charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you are... Like, that. you've committed a crime on camera. They're more concerned with you committing a crime on camera than the fact that the video exists. Exactly. It's like, oh, cool, now we have proof. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Whereas over there, it's like, you saw Jason Voorhees one time? Shame. 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 Go to Gulag. Okay, maybe not that much. Okay. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about, like, uh what happened afterwards so the post-mortem of texas chainsaw massacre if you will <clears throat> all right so the legacy of the film is that of controversy and influence leatherface uh, reset the slasher genre by using conventional tools as his weapon of choice uh so this is a direct influence on friday the 13th definitely definitely because uh, jason Voorhees isn't just running around with a gat like he's gonna kill you with an ice pick or like um someone else's bones ah <laughs> uh, yeah or just pick up your sleeping bag and wham 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 i still can't believe that that made it into a movie like that's not that looked like something out of benny hill like, yeah why you would just you get like this? yakety sax playing in the background <laughs> wackety sack you're gonna die all right um so, um, it also helped popularize the genre by being the first to quote-unquote go there in terms of what Stephen King would call cataclysmic horror. Uh, basically, Leatherface took the beating so that other slashers, uh, so that, like, all the other slashers we covered this month could succeed. So, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, kind of went there as far as, like, this is a sadistic killer. There's really no reason for any of this to be happening, but it is, and you're gonna watch it. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like they were the first to, like, really show, like, the gruesome parts of it. Because, like, something like Psycho, you don't really see anything. Uh, even, like, um, Black Christmas. Like, you see the aftermath of things, but you never actually see the killing take place. Yeah, something tells me that putting, like, the plastic bag over someone's head and just suffocating him in the chair like watching that happen would be pretty rough just because like it's one thing when you hit him with the chainsaw and there's a lot of action to keep your brain interested but when you're just watching someone die slowly for four minutes you know that's uh that's a lot exactly and that's what i'm saying is like the the, this movie walked and got like shot in the legs by the police while walking so that the others could get away and run safely I see. Um, interesting analogy. Yeah, it, if anyone's gonna, if, like, all of the slashers got together to have a party and the police busted it up, Leatherface is definitely the first one going down. Like, he is slow as shit. That's true. That's true. You know, when you're just, like, a random chick running around in the woods that you've never been in before at night and, like, you're... I don't even know what kind of shoes she was wearing, but at least she had shoes, I guess. Yeah, that that was the whole thing. Was like, it, it's it's almost one of cinema's greatest will they won't they scenes. Yeah, like, yeah. Is he is he gonna get the girl? Is she gonna get to follow her dreams of living? Will Let's she ever put out. a bra back on? Will she ever put a bra back? On? I mean, does she have to free the nipples? I don't care. It's Do the seventies, bro. I mean, we talked about this at length. The seventies were just more fun sometimes. Sometimes. It depends on who you are. Yeah, exactly. And how much lead you've had. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Alright, so let's kind of... So this one is a franchise as well, like we've been talking about. Like, mo- everything we talked about is a franchise. But I think Texas Chainsaw kind of has, like, um, a more direct canon than the others do. So let's talk about it. So um, let's talk about, like... 
Um, the first original sequel, which was uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Like I said, I don't want to get too much into it because we will cover it at some point. But this one was also directed and written by Toby Hooper. And he kind of just wanted to have fun with the concepts. Mm-hmm. Because the studio kind of wanted him to make another one. And he was like, I don't want to. And they were like, do it. And he was like, okay, I'm going to make it stupid. <laughs> right. And I'm, I'm glad for that. It's almost like they brought it to the new age. Like, they brought it to the late 80s. It's like... It's almost like Freddy Krueger and Leatherface had a baby, and that baby is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Exactly, and also starring Bill Mosley. But once again, I don't want to get too much into it. I do want to cover this sometime in the near future, just because it's on my mind. Ah. Alright, so then another direct sequel to Part 2 was Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And um, after that, uh, there was a spinoff called um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation, uh, which was one of Matthew McConaughey's first film roles. I'm glad. I'm glad he got in somewhere. I'm glad he got in somewhere. Um, I'm uh, the McCon the McConaissance. Um, is that what we called it? The McConaughey Renaissance was beautiful and amazing to watch. I don't think you can say McConaissance because it sounds too much like reconnaissance or McConaughey sauce. McConaughey sauce, um, McConaughey picante sauce. Yeah, 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 or Hollandaise, McHollandaise sauce. McHollandaise sauce, that sounds like what they put on the bagels at, uh, McDonald's. Oh, man, wouldn't that be something, though? McBagel? McBagel, they do put McBagel, they do have McBagels, it's like, um, it's like bagels, Hollandaise sauce, egg, and then, like, I think steak? Okay, so here's my question, and I, this is mostly unrelated. Why do we even have holes in the middle of bagels? It's not like you can see through them. They just close up when they get cooked. Right. Um, I think it has more to do with the cooking process than anything else. I say that's a cop-out. Just make it a solid piece of bread or don't. But then it's a bun. Good. Let it be a bun. <laughs> okay. We're not going to agree on this, so we're going to move on. I'm going to start calling it a bagel. A bagel? A bagel. It's better than some New Yorkers who call them bagos. Oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> I don't like that either. That's too close to bacos, which are like those shitty, stupid bacon bit copies. <laughs> Bako bago. There was a remake in 2003 and then a prequel to that remake called Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Beginning in 2006. Um, a quote-unquote direct sequel was made in 2013 called Texas Chainsaw 3D. And then a prequel to the original 1974 film was made in 2017 called Leatherface. Okay, I'm legitimately interested to see all of these. And I'm not always legitimately interested to see all of the sequels for something like uh, Puppet Master. I watched all those because I felt like I had to. Like, I just had to understand it somehow. And it didn't ever make any sense. This, I actually want to see how they do the story of Leatherface and why Leatherface became, like the central part of the story even though he doesn't even talk in the first movie he doesn't i don't think um, he talks at all ever no he he is a silent killer which is fine it's fine by me but so john if you're gonna watch this series i'm gonna give you a couple things to go by here so um i actually bothered to uh put the canon into a timeline oh here okay. we go okay so we have um four different um sects of this franchise so we have original film canon which would um start with leatherface from 2017 then you watch texas chainsaw massacre 1974 and then you watch texas chainsaw 3d from 2013 then you have the remakes which is texas chainsaw massacre the beginning from 2006 and then texas chainsaw massacre 2003 
then you have the sequel trilogy, quote-unquote. So you have Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3, and the and then you only have one follow-up film that doesn't fall into any type of canon, is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the Next Generation. Right, this is the one where John Luke Picard takes the helm. <laughs> that, that has to be why they named it that. Just to, just to, like, bump on the popularity of the Star Trek The Next Generation. What a world we live in. What a world. What a crazy world. I think to myself, why the fuck do I live here? Ah, um, right. I thought you were gonna say, uh, what a wonderful world, or maybe just Red Roses too again. <laughs> just Red Roses. Red Roses, Rosebud, I don't know where I'm going with this. Have you ever seen that video? Uh, just Red Roses too. Like, it's the whole song, but the only words are Red Roses too. I have not. It's fun, That's, I'll send it to you. Please send that to me. Um, as a matter of fact, put it on the page. Just I put will it on put the, that on the page. Just put it on the page. It's wonderful. Red Roses too. Anyway. Alright, so let's, John, we've covered all the slashers that we can this month. Let's put a fucking nail in this coffin. So, <sighs> Slashers are an important part of horror history. They showed us that the American people were ready for more violent, less traditional stories. Uh Uh-huh. Unlike the entire history of the United States and every other country ever. Exactly. Like, apparently everybody just wants to censor everything. And, like, I think that that is the story of the slashers. Is that they pushed the envelope. And, like, I think that the reach of that push actually goes beyond just the horror genre. So, like, you, with this, like, you know, with a lot of pushing the envelope in film, you get shock comedy, you get gore films, you get sexually charged dramas, uh, crime dramas. Yeah, all that fun stuff. Yeah, so, like, think about it this way. Without Texas Chainsaw Massacre, without Halloween, without Friday the 13th, you might have never gotten Law & Order SVU. Ah, yes. Law & Order SVU. Uh, that, that, that's a good line to draw in the sand, I think. Law and Order SVU. Well, yeah, I mean, like, because, like, think about it. It is a show about sexual crimes, like, sexual violent crimes. Yeah, like the Cosby show. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus. And the people that, um, you know, solve them. Like Not like the Cosby show, show. Not like the Cosby show. It got solved way too late. Uh, it was like a, tw- it was like a 30 season arc that just didn't pay off. Hmm, like anyway, Criminal Minds. Like Criminal Minds. So, like, with such a sexually charged and violent show, like, if that show would have came out 30 years prior, people would have been up in arms. Like, you couldn't have made that show then, but because of things like slashers and shock comedy and, like, sexually charged dramas and, like, art house film, like, coming more into the mainstream, you, like, the American, like, palette becomes expanded. Yeah, uh, I definitely see what you mean there. I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre... as far as I'm concerned, is the first one there. Uh, the year after this, we had, like, a Rocky Horror Picture Show came out. And that's, like, a different brand of a similar phenomenon, right? Correct. Like, just the shock. I mean, like, it's it's meant to shock you. It's meant to be provoking. Maybe not necessarily always thought-provoking. Probably more like a wallet-provoking, as yeah, we've yeah, seen yeah, with Friday it's the It's provocative. It's provocative and, like... It's for entertainment, it's for profit, but, I mean, like, it changed the cultural landscape. I mean, like, this put horror movies back on the map because people were fucking done with monster movies. Right. And, you know, like, I think that brings us to today, where people seem to be still scared of these movies, um, even though they are pretty old at this point. Yeah, uh, I definitely think Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, like I said from the beginning, still lives up to the hype. It, it is... It, he is the the 
the Babe Ruth of horror movie villains. He is the uh, the Dick Cheney of horror movie villains. I I, I like where you're going with this mostly. Um, there there's some parts of that I don't like. Yeah, um, Dick Cheney, silent but deadly. Silent but deadly. Um, just deadly for no reason, really. Um, so, like, I guess this, like, brings a, like, the question to my mind. Like, I wonder if one day people will look back at these, like, we look at the Universal Monster movies now. Like, it's not scary, but it's aesthetically pleasing. Hmm. I think, uh, maybe there is an element of that already, you know? And that we get, like, all the cutesy, like, Friday the 13th adjacent merchandise, or we Mm -hmm. get, like, uh, the Freddy Krueger, like, you know... Scary Terry appearance in Rick and Morty, you know, like that type of thing. Um, what I think with Leatherface, people still revere Leatherface a little bit. Like the chainsaw guy is still actually kind of scary, at least in real life. Like if I see it in a movie, I'm like, oh, it's a chainsaw guy. Oh, it's just like Leatherface. But like if you're at like a real like spooky haunted house and there's a chainsaw guy, you're you're gonna move a little faster because like nobody wants that. Like that that is actually still scary. Right, because, like, a chainsaw is not really, like, a purpose-built weapon for killing. It's, like, kind of, um... It's kind of, like, grimy. It's accidentally horrifying. I think that's the thing that people don't think about with the chainsaw. It's, like, that would be a very painful death. Because it's technically... Like, it's not ripping your flesh, like, in one clean swoop. Mm. It's, like, taking... It's, like, someone, like... Ste- like slashing your leg like to try and cut it off like a lumberjack would a, like, an axe with a tree it's like someone doing that like a thousand times a second yeah like it would be a very very painful death to like have a chainsaw like put in you i i agree i like, agree it's just like stephen king said it's cataclysmic it's hard to imagine life after getting attacked with a chainsaw and maybe that's what makes it so scary and then you add in the isolation and you add in the shady characters and the cannibalism and like the imagery like it, like we said at the beginning it's a whole package like everything here contributes to the overall effect and that gives it the staying power i think exactly and that's why i think slashers will always kind of have a place and especially my heart, but in the heart of American culture. Beautiful. It's It was there from the beginning, since the first Englishman came here, since the first Indian rape. Jesus Christ, John. <laughs> I, but you're allowed to say that, so I'm, I'm going to let it slide. Hashtag oh. woke AF, spelled backwards is FICO. <laughs> you tried, kid. You tried. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for Slashers and for this week on For Your Information. Um, make sure to check out our Facebook page. Uh, let us know what you want to see. Uh, give us five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you get the chance. It'll uh, get more shitheads like you in here. And uh, with that, uh, for For Your Information, I'm Zach. And I'm John. All right, watch a new movie this week. Um, try to not get murdered with a chainsaw. That sounds pretty rough. All right, bye, guys.